Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Long before the acronyms WFH and HGS entered our pandemic vocab, that's working from home and hot girl summer, FYI, There was another that had long been rolling off tongues in gym changing rooms, Instagram feeds and the Women's Health Office. H-I-I-T, a.k.a. HIT. Now you'll likely know well the multiple fitness benefits of incorporating high-intensity interval training into your workout regime. From improved cardio, respiratory health to boosted fat burn. And then there's the fact that this most intense and sweaty of exercise sessions need only last a short while perfect for the busiest of lifestyles. It's these perks that have drawn so many of you to hit over the past year and a bit. Requiring next to no equipment and minimal amounts of space, it's understandably become a way that we're able to stay fit within the confines of living rooms, bedrooms and gardens. But as gyms draw us back with their wide range of classes and shiny weights areas, is it time to reconsider putting all our training eggs in the metaphorical hit basket? Because... As you'll learn in today's show, there can be too much of a good thing. Hello, I'm Roisin Dervish-O'Kane and this is Going For Goal, the weekly women's health podcast. On this show, we chat to our favourite celebrities and wellness heavyweights about what they do to feel and function at their best. And on episodes like this one, we call on top experts to share their best advice for helping you make good on the health goals that really matter to you. Now, before we get into today's episode, we want to tell you about one of the Going For Gold podcast team's favourite fellow wellness podcasts, The Emma Guns Show. It's hosted by experienced beauty and health journalist Emma Guns. She has nearly 20 years experience interviewing celebrities and experts for national newspapers and magazines, including our very own Women's Health. Now, on her fantastic podcast, The Emma Guns Show, she covers a broad range of topics, including physical, mental health, beauty, careers and lifestyle all linked by the common themes of life and well-being. The show combines personal experience with engaging and entertaining interviews with credible, world-leading experts who are coaxed to convey their knowledge in a comprehensible fashion. So far, she has featured Wim Hof, Andy Puddicombe from Headspace, Gillian Michaels, Alice Living, Elizabeth Hurley, and many, many more. We highly recommend giving it a listen. Right, back to today's episode... Within it, our digital fitness writer Morgan Fargo speaks to two leading voices on the topic of HIT and how to find that all-important healthy balance and fun when it comes to workouts. Now, you may notice that Morgan's mic wasn't working properly. Apologies for the slightly dodgy sound. Her guests are Luke Worthington, a personal trainer and sports scientist, along with three times Women's Health cover star and PT Alice Living. 
They discuss what HIT is in its truest form and how that differs from the high-intensity training we've come to know, before moving on, most crucially, to what people commonly get wrong. Because, as you'll learn, if you're going too hard for too long, it will not only place you at increased risk of injury, but may also actually sabotage your body composition goals. Listen on to find out how to do HIT right so that it works well for you, your goals, and your weekly workout schedule. Because, as Alice, Luth, and Morgan all say, fitness should be something that has a positive impact on your emotional well-being. Something that makes you feel really, really good. Over to Morgan. Alice, Luke, I'm so excited to have you on the Women's Health Podcast. You are both just such huge icons in the industry and I think it's going to be a really, really fantastic episode. So thank you. Let's kick off with actually getting to grips about what HIP is and should be. Alice, can you give us the rundown? Yeah, well, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because what we've grown to know as high-intensity training isn't necessarily what uh, the research um, really dictates when it comes to the the um, true style of HIT training that um, you know people would know in a lab. So I think um, you know the average person's perspective of what HIT would be would probably be something around body weight, high intensity training. Maybe it's stuff that has um, plyometric work in it. Um, the stuff that gets you really sweaty, basically, and usually it's in like an interval format. So it would be, um, you know, maybe 30 seconds off, 10 seconds, um, 30 seconds on, sorry, 10 seconds off, lots of jumping, lots of sweating, <laughs> and hopefully working quite hard. Um, and I think that's fine. And that's obviously um, a type of training, whether that's true high intensity training is obviously another argument um, and, and something that I'm sure we're going to get to and discuss. Um, but I think that um, it's been it become more of a fashionable way of training, shall we say, over the last couple of years, um, because it's time efficient, you know, for the amount of time that you're working, the energy burn can be greater than, you know, spending an hour of training in the gym. And that's often, you know, if people's goal is to get fit and and perhaps uh, lose some body fat, that's what they're really looking for. Um, and it can provide good results. You know, we know that uh, any stimulus uh, that, that elicits kind of an an energy burn um, helps to create, you know, an energy deficit, which can help towards fat loss. <laughs> uh, and so a lot of people will attribute their um, their successes in that sense to to HIT, whether the HIT, the HIT was actually um, the uh, responsible for the fat loss is obviously, again, another conversation that we can have. Um, but yeah, I think it definitely has become really trendy. And, and I can absolutely see that uh, for a lot of people, it's something that they really enjoy. You know, it gets them that that feeling of, um, you know, endorphins post-workout. They feel great. Um, and and like I said, it, it's great for those who don't want to be exercising for prolonged periods of time. They want short, sharp workouts. And, and, and for that, yeah, HIT is obviously something that they they tend to gravitate towards. You mentioned HIT in a lab setting would be very different to what HIT might be if people are doing it at home. What is it in its truest form as people in a lab would want it to be in the perfect conditions? Well, most of the research on high intensity training is done either on a static bike or with track sprints. So a lot of the purported benefits of, of high intensity training, it, that's not all the research there is. There's like a, a tiny piece of research about body weight hit training, but the majority of it is done on, on a static bike or, or in a uh, uh, track sprint. So, so really it's about much, much shorter intensities. Um, so, you know, working at a ma for a maximum of maybe like four minutes where you go 
all out and it's like 90 percent you know uh, um of your max if not more um followed by you know a longer rest period um and so i think that's very very different to jumping up and down and and you know um doing like star jumps and burpees for the average person it's probably a bit less enticing to sit on a static bike or or to head to a track to do sprints than it is you know it's much more accessible for them to to do the sort of jumping up and down um uh, in terms of it, you know, it's it's much easier for them to just roll out a mat and do that in the living room than than to head to a track or or to sit on a watt bike. But yeah, that that would that would be, um, and I'm sure Luke can can add something to that. But that would be what I would say are the, the main differences, really. Absolutely. And Luke, what what are some of the common mistakes you see people making with hit? Are the sessions too long? Are they not what they should be? What do you see? Um, I think. The, well, the answer is yes to both of those actually. Um, so yes, yes, too long, and and yes not quite as not quite what it says on the tin if, if you like and and just to to add to to alice's point if we if we if we look back to where it actually came from it was a study it was a japanese study so it was a, a professor tabata which is where the tabata thing came from as well and he he put this study together where he was testing elite cyclists so he was testing elite cyclists who performed steady state so like a constant pace for 60 minutes versus cyclists who were performing at 170 percent of vo2 max for 20 seconds and resting for 10 seconds and so if we if we imagine what 100 percent feels like which is exhaustion he was pushing these people to 170 percent so it's a, a lot, basically. Um, so a very, very, very high level of exertion and then complete rest. And they perform these intervals for seven minutes. Um, and his results showed that that work group burned more energy than the other work group. And of course, if you just look at the top line and say, well, work for seven minutes and burn more energy than working for an hour, it sounds super appealing. It sounds, it sounds very, very appealing. Um, but just to, just to say to just to add to what Alice was saying, that level of intensity is very unlikely to be achieved doing your jumping jacks and doing your mountain climbers. It's it's just it's just not when you're not going to work at 170. percent That doesn't mean that jumping jacks and your mountain climbers becomes redundant. It doesn't at all because you're moving rather than not moving. But I, do, I think that we have to just be clear about what things are and what they're not. And if we're presenting hit as being, I guess, a silver bullet, and say, well, look, do this. And it will, and, and you will magically burn more energy, achieve all your fitness goals, and, and the next Y Z. Then that's, I think, that's not correct. If what we're doing is say do this because it's fun um, and it's quite easy to both to teach and to learn, um, so therefore it's very accessible. It's over the last year certainly it's something that translates very well to online um, because it's a case of copy what you see. So. Uh, it's something that has allowed people to exercise when gyms are closed and sports are not allowed and, and, and so forth. Um, but I think we just have to be clear about what it is and what, and, and what it is not. Um, what it is, is a very accessible form of exercise. What it is not is this magical tool to achieve all of your fitness goals in seven minutes. Um, that would be, it would be irresponsible to claim that. That's a really good point. And I think it's really important caveat this whole podcast was saying like at no point am I saying that someone who says they really enjoy high intensity training, I'm going to turn around and say, well, I don't think you should be doing that. You know, that's absolutely not the case. And, and I think, you know, Luke's absolutely right. If someone is moving and enjoying the way they move, great. Like, 
forget the science, forget everything. Because if you're doing it, it's great. I think sometimes that the the issue that I have around here is really more around the narrative around it. And as Luke said, it's less about um, the actual style of exercise. It's more just the conversation and the way that we discuss that type of exercise. Even the name of it, high intensity interval training. It's very sexy. It's like a real buzzword and it really draws people in. Um, but really, you know, and actually this is a conversation I was having recently. If we call it what it is, which is essentially body weight interval training, it's not as sexy. It's, it doesn't have the same draw, but essentially that is what you're doing. And absolutely, like like Luke said, you know, I would I, I would absolutely want someone to move in whatever way they enjoy. But I think it's more about let's call it what it is and let's also stop focusing on um the extreme calorie burn and more on what that exercise is doing for that person beyond that because that's the important stuff we just say on, on on that as well if we if through this is the the marketing spiel that surrounds it it tends to be about this calorie burn because that was what the study produced that was what tabata's study produced to say more energy was burned in this workout than in this workout um so therefore this sort of the and that's a very easy thing to sell, to say, well, do this and you'll burn more calories, therefore you'll lose more weight. And then people can rationalize with that with that maths. But unfortunately, it's not quite that straightforward in that our, our planned exercise only accounts for about 10% of our daily energy burn. So what we do for our, our workouts, basically, is much less important than what we do for the other 23 hours and 15 minutes of, of, our, of our day. Um, so if we're, if we're thinking you do this as a weight loss tool, whatever the workout is, whether it's hit or whether it's less or whether it's whatever, that's that's probably not the way we should be presenting it because, well, not probably, it isn't. <laughs> um, because regardless of the calorie burn that people are achieving, it's not as significant enough proportion of their daily energy expenditure to really make that much of a difference. So whatever form of exercise somebody chooses should be more about the other things they're getting from it than the calorie burn. So if we, if we, I think there's a big reframing conversation needs to happen, really, which is probably, I guess, one of the purposes of this conversation, um, is if we view exercise purely as a way of burning fuel and burning calories, we're just missing the point. Um, because firstly, it's not a big enough proportion of our daily calorie burn to really make that much of a difference. Um, but secondly, there is so much more to it than that. Um, if we always describe it to clients as to say that whatever we do, we benefit in one of the five categories of fitness being muscular strength, being aerobic fitness, being mobility, motor control, body composition, emotional well-being. They're all they're all equally as important. Um, so your hit class, which you could also say circuit class, boot camp class, whatever, same that that category, might absolutely help you improve your aerobic fitness. It might absolutely help you improve your emotional well-being if you're, you know, you're getting out of the house and you're doing something. Uh, hopefully soon with lots of other people around um that's great and that's a wonderful wonderful thing um but it's not you know it's it's not being this sort of silver bullet that's attacking everything all, all at once um so when we i think start to look at exercise and our planned exercise as being for other things other than just burning calories we get so much more out of it the calorie balance is important if weight loss is a goal and it's a very valid goal you know we're in the middle of a global health crisis where you know, body composition has been shown to be a, a major, major issue. And the countries that have got issues or epidemics of poor body composition are the ones who've been hit the hardest. So we can't, I think, ignore, I'm going to say, I'm going to say fat loss rather than weight loss because there's a difference um, as a valid exercise goal or a valid 
health and fitness goal, it absolutely is a valid goal and we shouldn't demonize that. Um, but our choice of exercise shouldn't be focused solely on that. Our lifestyle needs to be focused on that. Um, and our exercise should be focused on the, the holistic benefit of exercise. So that's probably a long-winded answer. Absolutely. No, an incredibly detailed answer, which is exactly what we love. I think the thing that you said, there were two things. So number one about the original Tabata study, people were being pushed to 170% of their maximum output, which is obviously humongous and probably not feasible if you're doing burpees in your living room. I know it's not for me, but that type of exercise is a stress on your body. And we all lead inherently stressful lives, whether it's emotional stress or lifestyle stress or work stress. And I really wanted to know a bit more about how HIT can sometimes be an added stressor on top of an already perhaps overloaded nervous system. Alice, can you kick us off? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, one of the bugbears that I've had with the fitness in years is there's this perception that more is always better and we should be doing more and particularly as Luke referenced if the goal is is fat loss um, people often start to see that as being what they want to achieve so the quicker they can get there the more they need to do so they kind of overload themselves with maybe training you know um, six days a week or, or multiple times a day or whatever that looks like for someone and we will all have different thresholds which, we, which we're able to to work at we know that exercise is a is a good stress and, and and as with most things you can have too much of a good thing i think that um too much stress on the body which can come from a multiple you know uh, multiple sources that doesn't just have to be exercise but it can just tip you over that balance so when we look at things like um and it's often described as overtraining, but in reality, we, we actually recognize it more as under recovering. And that's really what it is. The body isn't able to fully recover in between training sessions or, or whatever you're doing in order to get back to that maintenance point. Um, so what we see then happen is um, a cascade of effects, which, which you know, can. And, and like I said, I think it's really important that we that we really um, mentioned that everyone's threshold at which this happens is going to be different. You have like a 20-year-old girl who um, is fit and healthy and young, and she might have a different threshold at which she can train to someone who might be slightly older than that. And um, so, like I said, everyone's going to have a different point at which they they are able to recover. Um, but what happens is once you tip over that point and your body falls into that state of, of having too much stress, and yeah, like you said, stress doesn't just come from exercise. That could be that, you know, um, the 20-year-old girl is no kids, no stressful job. She lives at home. You know, there aren't many stresses on her, but com compare that to like a, a 35 year old mom who's got a high stress job. She's got two kids. She's sleep deprived. You know, the stresses are very different. And so, yeah, we can see exercise as being almost that thing that can push you into that point of having too much stress, in which case your sleep can be affected your um, ability to, you know, your cognitive function, your mood. And then on a more serious level, things like your immune function. So if you're constantly getting colds or getting ill, um, your menstrual cycle can be affected. So, so your hormones start to um, be affected. Um, and things like, you know, stress fractures and injuries will become much more common. So there's really like, um, uh, I guess, a, a spectrum of things that can happen. Um, but all of these are signs that the body just isn't able to recover in the way that it probably should be. And it's kind of a sign saying, I'm under stress and um, I need a little bit of a break. And the thing with 
high intensity training that I think is important is it is that on that higher end of the spectrum, like higher stress end of the spectrum. So it's something that is going to be constantly hammering your central nervous system and the, the ability to recover from that just takes that little bit longer. So it's really about just being mindful of the amount of stress you have in your body, understanding and knowing the signs of under recovering and then being able to be responsive to that within your lifestyle. And we were talking earlier about how a lot of people are using HIT because some of their health and wellness goals are to lose fat and reach a body composition that's healthy for them and their height and their lifestyle. With the impact HIT can have on hormones, can it ever impede people's ability to lose fat because they're just their bodies are under too much stress? Luke, I, yes, it can. Um, I would say it's probably to get to the point if to to do enough HIT workouts or or you know using the term loosely because i think what what we're what we're describing is being hip workouts to have that effect there are probably other things that you're going to go wrong first um i I think that you're probably more at risk of hurting yourself first um before you get to that point um so therefore yes uh because consistency is going to be the most important factor in achieving any any health and fitness goal but particularly a body composition goal rather than a, a weight loss goal uh, if we think about what improve and when you say body composition rather rather than weights improving body composition is essentially a case of reducing the proportion of body fat relative to the amounts of lean tissue so to in order to achieve that we need to be in an energy deficit so we need to be consuming less than we're, we're burning um, so our, our workouts are one of the one part of our overall amount of burn um, but the, the biggest factor we have to consider there is, is consumption. If somebody's goal is to is to improve their body composition, we need to look at their consumption. They need to be in an energy deficit, but they need to also be retaining their muscle tissue. If all they do is just eat less, they will become smaller. They will they will weigh less, um, but they won't necessarily be improving their body composition. If what we want to do is reduce the amount of body fat versus lean tissue, we need to be in a, a mild energy deficit at the same time as strength training to retain the lean tissue so if we're looking at modes of exercise that are most important for improving body composition it's actually strength training resistance training weight training whatever we want to call it because that's what will retain the lean tissue whilst diet and lifestyle takes care of lowering body fat if we if we don't do that if we don't do the strength training we're going to be burning lean tissue and body fat or maybe more lean tissue than body fat so we might weigh less but our composition and therefore our health may be actually worse so in in terms of are you going to compromise your weight loss goals with too much hit i would say your hit is probably the wrong choice of exercise if that's your priority what you what you should be doing is looking to move more throughout the day so walk more strength train and and be aware of your consumption you know, be you know eat mindfully walk drink lots of water sleep more strength train would be would be what i would say um where i think the hit classes may create a problem is if if you're doing so many of them because you think well i'm just gonna i can just burn more i can burn more i can burn more um if you think what actually happens in a hit class it's not a case of we'll do this 10 times it's a case of do as many of these as you can for a minute so it's doing something very fast to fatigue you know or to failure so therefore, your chance of doing it wrong 
and therefore of hurting yourself are significantly more than in pretty much any other form of exercise because that's the goal it's do it do it until you can't do any more so you're almost encouraging this technical failure so you're encouraging a higher risk so it's high risk activity done very very fast um so you're probably more at risk of hurting yourself than you are of really because you'll probably hurt yourself before you get there um so therefore you won't be able to exercise therefore your weight loss goals will be compromised um so yes but not through not through the way that sometimes thought i think you 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 are probably at risk of compromising your goals but but not because you'll do too much but because as you're doing so much you'll 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 probably break down a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And as a high risk activity, like you said, if you're doing too much of it because you're working your body to fatigue, what would a good HIIT workout actually look like? A realistic goal-based workout that gets you sweaty, gets your heart rate up, works with intervals, perhaps uses body weight, but is also an effective session. There's no, there's nothing wrong with with circuit training, body weight training that's been around since as long as exercise has. You know, and that's a, it's a very, very valid, very accessible form of exercise where we, we can make something that's risky, less risky, is by taking out the, the kind of the plyometric, the jumping side of things. That's more likely where people are going to potentially hurt themselves um and doing so if if somebody is relatively new to exercise the first thing they should be doing is getting coached on how to move so getting coached on how to move through fundamental movements learning how to do that under control and how to do it slowly before trying to do it very very fast and under fatigue and to failure it's almost like wanting to start running you're you're probably going to as the expression goes, walk first, then jog, and then run, rather than think, I'm going to take it running, I'm just going to go and sprint today for the first time ever, and I've never run before. That's kind of what's happening when someone's new to exercise and they jump into a hip class. Um, what they probably should be doing is getting some coaching from a trainer on how to move, how to manage their body, how to move through basic movement patterns, slowly under control, then under load, then worry about doing them very, very fast. Um, so to, to answer the question, the, the bodyweight training class or, or training session, if we just if we want to make it safer, we just should rein it in on some of the some of the jumping and some of the landing, um, some of the rebounding, that sort of plyo style 
stuff. Uh, if you rein that in a little bit, and a good guideline would be to say one part of your body should be in contact with the floor at all times. If we take, if you take that as a guideline, then you're you're going to reduce the impact, you know, the mechanical impact. You that, that's that's sort of direct mechanical stress that you're putting yourself under. You're not reducing the other stress that you've we've, we've just been discussing, but you're reducing that mechanical kind of joint impact stress. Um, so take that as a guideline. Um, that if there's a movement that requires all of your limbs being off the floor at the same time, at some point you've got to land, um, and that's that's quite a hard thing to do. Yeah, I was just going to add to that, like. Focus, like it should be um, a goal to achieve complexity of movements. Like it shouldn't be your first goal. It should be something that you are wanting to work towards. And often I absolutely agree with what Luke said. The complexity of movements seen in, in body weight interval training or high intensity classes um, for me doesn't match up to the type of person that's probably doing that workout. And I think there's no shame in doing and actually what I would always opt for when it comes to high intensity interval training is a low skill exercise that requires um less of of an ability to to have you know things like proprioception or or concept of where your body is in space things like sitting on a watt bike and doing all-out sprints like great way of 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 doing the same thing but in a much safer environment like Luke said then you know because for me I you know I look at let's take a burpee for example like we all know they're a great exercise if you just want to (laughs) sweat and don't get me wrong I love doing them sometimes and I definitely include them in my workouts um do I think it's an exercise that that most people do well no absolutely not uh do I think it's an exercise that can become incredibly problematic at done if done at a high speed and if um speed is the goal no, I, it just can't. It, they just don't match up. So for me, they're two very different things. I think, first of all, absolutely, I agree with Luke. Gain um, knowledge of, like, learn your body, learn movement, start with low skill movements, and then be able to have that goal of being able to pr- uh, progress in terms of the complexity of movements to get to a point where you then feel as though you can do those movements safely. Um, yeah, I, and, I, and I, I would say if I was designing my perfect hit workout, I would always opt for a low skill option. Something like, you know, what bike sprints, sleds are great. You know, if you've got a sled to push or pull, um, you know, even even if you are going to add in like, um, you know, weights and stuff, I would absolutely agree with Luke. Keep the jumping out of it. You can still get your heart rate up and have the same impact without feeling as though you have to be jumping around. Um, I just get too many messages from people who have knackered their knees from doing high intensity training for however long and sort of go, oh, I've done it for a year and my knees really hurt and now I'm looking for something else. And the other thing that I would say, which Luke and I'm sure would both agree with is even if you are going to do that style of workout, fine if that's what you enjoy please please just keep some strength stuff in there too so maybe it's that one of your sessions might be that but you also make sure that you include some resistance training too to have a strong supporting structure in order to enable you to do those kind of movements in a much safer way that leads us on perfectly alice to my next question which would be how should you structure a week of workouts if you want to include some hit what ratio should that be in to strength training or less or any other type of exercise you like doing i mean i find these kind of questions so hard because there's so many variables and it totally depends on the, the the person's goals their ability 
Um, so I'm going to be really, really vague, which is probably slightly annoying, but I'd rather do that than be really specific. Um, but I would say that the first thing is, and, and absolutely what I would put in there is some resistance training to begin with. So key movement patterns, learn those, get strong in them, build up from maybe you start a body weight and then start to add various forms of resistance, whether that's dumbbells, barbells, whatever it is that you feel comfortable with. Make sure that that's, that's kind of like the key cornerstone of, of your training program. Again, to make sure that, like Luke said, even if your goal is to change your body composition, we're retaining lean muscle mass as part of that. Just build up your tolerance to some high intensity or uh, interval body weight training um, exercise. I think you know, the mistake that I see is people go hell for leather on it because initially it feels good and it gets you that that burn. Um, but they very quickly exhaust themselves in that method of training. So build yourself up. Again, as Luke said, you wouldn't set out and run a marathon on day one. You'd build yourself up. You'd start with maybe a 3K and then a 5K. So again, your body takes time to ad- adjust and adapt to various different stimuluses. So even if you start with one day a week of, of, of some form of your chosen type of exercise, and that's maybe like a 15 minute session, um, start with that first and then build yourself up as an, as, and when you feel able to, um, the thing that I would say, and I'm probably going to ruffle some feathers by saying this, but I don't believe that hit should be the entirety of your training. I think it can be a nice addition and like, you know, definitely if you enjoy it, have it in there somewhere, but I'd like to see some other stuff in there too. Like I said, I'd love to see some resistance training and maybe something a bit more low impact like um you know yoga pilates anything like that just to balance out that high high level of intensity that you're having again to go back to that thing of, of of how much stress we have on our body the other thing that i would then also caveat all of this is you have to be uh understanding of where you're at with your body so I, I find these kind of prescriptive days off trade, um, rest day kind of things like, oh, you have to take one to two rest days a bit binary because I think that everyone's going to be different. And if you're starting a new training program, you might need slightly more rest to allow you to recover. You might need less. We're all different. So just tuning in with where you're at understanding how you feel after a training session if you're getting particularly sore after sessions if you're finding your sleep's being impacted if you're absolutely ravenous maybe just understand that that's a way of your body saying okay it's probably a bit too much and you can rein it back in uh, yeah I'm not going to sit here and say you know you have to do this amount of training this amount of rest days because it's just not uh, you can't be as prescriptive of that as that but I think um you know have have you know strength training is the foundation maybe have some some high intensity on top of that and then look at something that's a little bit more low impact and then going back to what Luke said don't just see that as being your core movement for a week of a, a, a week of training uh, uh, all of our other movement our non-exercise activity thermogenesis or, or our neat the amount that we move outside of specific exercise settings is also really important so even if it just means that you're walking a bit more every day or you're uh, making sure that you're up and about if you know if, if you're working from home as we all currently are um, just keeping yourself moving throughout the day is also important for your overall health With the people who said that they have knackered their joints, they've knackered their knees after doing a year of hit or whatever, which is absolutely the camp I've fallen into, what are some of the benefits of having a more well-rounded workout routine? Luke, let's go to you. Um, so by well-rounded, what I would say is if we would go back to these five five facets of, of well-being, of being muscular strength, aerobic fitness, mobility, motor control, body composition, emotional well-being. So... If all you do is focus on one of those, you're going to neglect the others. So if we only ever choose one mode of exercise, whether that's, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of strength training as well, 
But if all we ever did was strength train, we'd be neglecting some of those other aspects as well. So, to, so this we can apply the same logic to any any mode of exercise. Um, so we just need to make sure that we're addressing everything all of the time. We can dial it up on one aspect whilst dialing it down on others if we, if we need to. We can, you know, if somebody it has wants to do a 10K, they want to do a half marathon or a marathon, then, of course, their aerobic fitness is going to be dialed up a little bit for a period of time. If somebody has an aesthetic goal, whether they've got, you know, their first holiday in 18 months because they're finally allowed to or they're, you know, or they're getting married or, or whatever it may be, they may have an aesthetic goal, they may dial it up on body composition for a little bit and then dial it down again afterwards. That the, All of those things are okay, but we shouldn't ever completely ignore any of them. So to come back to your point of what do we do with the people who've just hammered the, the hit workouts for a year, is just look at, just take a step back and look at the, and look at all of those aspects and say, what you're trying to, what are we trying to achieve here? What we're trying to achieve is a, is a more well body, you know, a healthier body, which requires all of those things. So hit training can have a place there as being one part of aerobic fitness. So the other, the other part of aerobic fitness being the low intensity being, the, the more aerobic side. If you hit training, would sit more kind of anaerobic. Um, so it would be one half of the five facets. So so relatively speaking, quite a small amount. If all you've ever done is is focused on quite literally one tenth of the overall package of of health and well being, you're neglecting all of the others. We just need to reintroduce them. Um, so starting to reintroduce strength training, resistance training, you start to give a body more stability. So a body that's been kind of beaten up by just you know, jumping up and down for 18 months <laughs> on, the, on the kitchen floor, if we just slow that person down and give them some strength and stability, they will feel better straight away. If we start to teach them how to have a little bit more motor control over their body, so mobility, motor control, I kind of group those in together. You, you learn that through either specific mobility workouts. You learn that through yoga through pilates through bar classes through dance classes any of these things that are also fun and we can't forget that fun is also important and can help you improve those body composition as i say is a, it tends to be a, a lifestyle nutritional thing um with strength training making sure that we we retain the lean tissue um so looking at emotional well-being and you spoke earlier about laying stress on top of stress um, making sure that what we're doing is making us feel happier so if, if, we, if we focus and think about how you feel emotionally, mentally, before, during, and after a workout, as opposed to let me check my smartwatch and see how many calories it tells me I've burned, that would be, a, in my opinion, a, a, better, a better way of looking at things and kind of gauging what we should or shouldn't be doing. And, and actually, just to go loop back on, onto Alice's point, that's also probably a better way of judging when we need to take a break. If you're just starting to feel a little bit fed up, that's the time to take a break. As opposed to, well, I only take breaks on Sundays. You know, then, well, what if what if this week something happened and you need to take it on Thursday? You know, we mm. when you're starting to feel a bit fed up, that's when you take the break. It's so interesting to look at it from that ecosystem point of view, as opposed to I work out on Mondays, Thursdays, Fridays, and I go as hard as I can mm. because life is not as prescriptive as that, as we all know. I think the final question that I'd really like to put to you both is. When you have clients approach you who, for example, have always done HIT and they're burnt out or their joints are really, really painful, how do you bring them into this new way of thinking that strength training is going to be really beneficial? Like, What, what are some of the benefits they're going to glean from 
a routine that you would perhaps implement? Alice, let's go to you. Well, I think the first thing is really to have a conversation about why they move. Um, I think underpinning what I think motivates a lot of people to first embrace HIIT training, and I'm going to be totally honest here, this isn't everyone, but a lot of my clients that I've seen that used to train in that way, it was all about caloric burn, energy burn, and they felt that high-intensity training gave them that feeling of, I'm working really hard and I'm burning the most energy that I can. Um, So it's really about having a conversation around, okay, firstly, why do you move? How can I help? I don't ever want to be a kind of trainer that... um, forces someone to train in a certain way you know I definitely have my biases and 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 Luke would said this that you know we both I both I love strength training and I think it's great that doesn't mean to say that if someone comes to me and says I really don't want to do it that I would say you have to you know we'd have a conversation around how we can maybe work out a balance with two of it with, with those things um but I think it's really about as well just changing the focus, um, understanding different ways in which they can challenge their body that might not necessarily be at the same intensity, but that give them that same feeling of working hard and achieving stuff. So I think one of the best things about strength training and why you know I love it is there are tangible goals and there's clear progression. And that's something that we really work hard to try and encourage people to see and to engage with is not just turning up to a session and and doing the work and going home, but really getting involved in how can I get from A to B? What are the things that I'm working on? And if someone becomes involved in in that process, you can really see it start to shift their mindset. And yeah, okay, I might not be doing hundreds of burpees at the end of the session, but there are other ways in which we can push our bodies. And I think it's learning about how we can do that in maybe a less stressful way. Um, but then as well, absolutely. And I think Claire Sanderson is one of these people. <laughs> um, she likes to have something that really gets her heart rate up at the end of session. So we go for a more low skilled option. You know, maybe that's the sled, maybe it's on a rower, maybe it's on a, on a Watt bike. It doesn't mean to say that you can't have that modality in your training sessions. It's just slightly changing how or when you in, put it into the sessions and being really mindful of the fact that it might not be the type that they used to do, but it's still achieving the same thing. And um, and again, I think the whole um, conversation around um you know someone going from a hit to another type of training is really um them being the driving force behind that. Um, you know, I underpinned this whole conversation at the start by saying, if someone enjoys that way of training, like, please don't think that I'm sitting here saying, you shouldn't be doing it. But I think if the motivation comes from the individual to do something different or into, to embrace a new way of training, then yeah, absolutely, I'll be there to, to, to help them through that. Um, and I just think it is about um, changing the focus, having, you know, tangible goals and, and being able to track progression in a much better way I guess that's my frustration with it is how do you know you're getting better at it? Like the sessions usually are random workouts, which Luke taught me this saying, random workouts equal random results. And I've never forgotten it because it's true. So if, um, so if, you know, a lot of the time with these kind of random hit sessions, how do you know you're getting better? But if someone comes to me and says, okay, I want to get stronger or I want to train with you um, in a way that's different to what I previously did, I can really focus in on those tangible goals and get them to focus on getting from A to B and working on what they really want to achieve, but in a different way. Random workouts equals random results is a great slogan. (laughs) I love that. I think it applies to so many things. Luke, is that something that you see as well, is that people being able to quantify their progress is a really important way to get them to shift their thinking around exercise? Yeah, of course. And as Alice says, it's a case of really defining your why. why. Why are we here? What are we trying to achieve? Somebody has joined a gym, taken part in a class, engaged with a trainer. They've done so for a, a reason. Um, whether that's an intrinsic reason or because somebody 
you know, a, a family member, a friend, or even their, you know, their doctor has said, go and exercise. But why? I think we need to always be asking this question: Why? Why? Are we, what are we trying to? What are we trying to do? Does somebody? Does somebody want to run a ten k? Does somebody want to run a marathon? That's probably, in all honesty, five percent of the people who actually exercise. The significant majority, the significant majority of people who who exercise, will be wanting to feel better and to improve their body composition. That is the number one reason, by such a long way, why people take part in exercise. Um, we can't just assume that's everybody because, of course, it's not. Some people do want to get a deadlift PB or, or play a sport or, 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 or do something, but it is the significant majority. So we just need to be asking those questions. So we either as a fitness professional, because I know lots of fitness professionals listen to this as well, we need to be asking these questions of, of our clients. If we're a, a, you know, a consumer, we need to be asking it of ourselves. And so well, what am I actually trying to achieve? Um, and then think, well, is this – how is this helping me? How, how, how do I know that it's helping me? Um, and that's where this sort of tangible goal thing comes in. Um, is my, if my goal is to lose weight, is it really, or is my goal to improve my body composition? In which case, how am I quantifying success? How am I going to, how am I going to understand if my ratio of body fat to lean tissue has improved? Because that's not going to be told by the number on the scale at, at all. Um, so how am I going to measure that? How am I going to, how am I going to understand if what I'm doing is actually helping me or not? Um, so coming back to that tangible goal thing is super, super important. Um, in terms of how do I get people to comply, <laughs> if that's not such a, a very, very strong term, um, I've always maintained, I, I run lots of workshops for trainers and I've always, always maintained and described it this way. So personal training is, it's a case of trying to blend a bit of what people want with a lot of what people need. Um, and that's where this, that's the, the art to it. There's a lot of science involved in, in, you know, in the maths and working things out and, and doing all that stuff, but there's an art to it as well. And that's the art is, is giving people enough of what they, what they want to keep them happy um, and enough of what they need to see genuine progress towards their goals. Um, I might have, I might have an idea of what I think is better for that person, but it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what, they want and it's their bodies their life their health so it's it's their own journey um and i think we have to keep that in mind too um so my job is to is to blend the two together so if somebody loves circuit training hit training if they love doing star jumps cool we can do some star jumps or we can you know as ella says we can maybe try and we can maybe try substituting those for something that's a little less risky but with same reward so a low skill version um absolutely but we're also going to do a lot of this stuff too and that's the kind of bargain or, or deal I strike with with clients and say, well, look, mm. that. But first, let's do some of this, and and we 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 try and blend that together. Um, the other thing I always say to people is, is that give me give me thirty days. So let's give me give me thirty days of doing it this way. If you're not happy with how you feel, then we can do it a different way. But. Yeah, give give it thirty days first. See if you see if you're happy with how you feel, or how you look, or, or how you move, or any of these other variables that we're considering, um, and then decide. I'm guessing that after thirty days, they're probably pretty happy by the sound. Well, of it. yeah, and then that's where we, and then that's when we reassess and say, well, now now what? Okay, we've achieved that. Now what are we going to achieve? Uh, mm. Whereas, you know, if if we're, all we're doing is coming into a room and and just jumping around, how when what? How do we know? How do we know if we've achieved anything other than we might? What our goal might have been just to have fun and to and to get moving, and that's okay. 
And if and if we've had that conversation and that person's genuine goal is, look, I just want to have fun. I just want to, I just want to go and do something because otherwise I'd be sat at home. Cool. But I would want that person to consider that there is there are a whole myriad of benefits you can get from exercise and or sport. And maybe let's let's look at some of those. Brilliant. Oh, well, Luke, Alice, thank you so much. I feel like that conversation is going to help a lot of people out there, especially the hit fanatics with sore knees at the moment. So thank you for your time and for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Now, there's some seriously good advice in there. You've been listening to top trainer and sports scientist Luke Worthington, along with three times Women's Health cover star and PT Alice Living, on the weekly women's health podcast, Going for Goal. I hope you're planning to take some of their brilliant and totally doable advice on board. That's all from Going for Goal for now. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.